Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. Good afternoon. This is WVEW LP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. We're also streaming online, live online at www.wvew.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. We're on the air every Sunday at noon. We're a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and on Instagram. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests, not the radio station. Uh, I'm Lauren Perlstein, and I'm a local educator in this area, and we're here with Corey Sorensen. Yeah, I'm Corey, and I teach fourth grade up in Guilford, Vermont. And we're here also in the studio with Ala Deutsch, who's a local activist in Western Massachusetts. And so in our last show, Nick and Marisa discussed the connections among the foster care system, eugenics and criminalization of the poor, and separation of migrant families. We also had a recent show where Nick and Nina talked about nurses on strike across the nation for being overworked and underpaid. On July 3rd, Brattleboro Retreat nurses went on strike for similar reasons. And on that show, we spoke with Edward Dowd, a nurse at the Brattleboro Retreat and VP of the United Nurses and Allied Professionals, as well as Lou Hawkins, biologist, educator, and nurse's assistant, who previously worked at the retreat. You can listen to those entire shows on our Indigo Radio podcast. And this week, we will be discussing the Amazon strikes. Held last Tuesday in Spain, Italy, Germany, and Poland on Amazon Prime Day, where thousands of workers left the Amazon warehouses to demand better working conditions in these facilities. Workers have described horrendous working conditions in an atmosphere that is prison-like. We'll get more into this later in the show. We are in a time of income inequality where gaps in earnings between corporate owners and workers are continuing to grow year after year. Again, we're joined in the studio today with Ala Deutsch, a local activist who will share with us her knowledge and experience with the Amazon strikes. And again, Corey Sorensen on the board. And again, my name's Lauren Pearlstein. We're gonna start the show off with a song called There Is A War by Leonard Cohen. There is a war between the rich and poor, a war between the man and the woman. There is a war between the ones who say there is a war and the ones who say that there isn't. Why don't you come on back to the war? That's right, get in it. Why don't you come on back to the war? It's just beginning. Well, I live here with a woman and a child. The situation makes me kind of nervous. As I rise up from her arms, she says, I guess you call this love. I call it service. Why don't you come on back to the war? Don't be a tourist. Why don't you come on back to the war before it hurts us? Why don't you come on back to the war? Let's all get nervous. You cannot stand what I become. You much prefer the gentleman I was before. I was so easy to defeat, I was so easy to control I didn't even know there was a war Why don't you come on back to the war? Don't be embarrassed Why don't you come on back to the war? You can still get married 
war between the rich and poor, a war between the man and the woman. There is a war between the left and right, a war between the black and white, a war between the odd and the even. Why don't you come on back to the war, take up your tiny burden? Why don't you come on back to the war, let's all get even? Why don't you come on back to the war, can you hear me speaking? Welcome back. You are listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM Brattleboro Community Radio Station. That was There is a War by Leonard Cohen, where he invites us to get involved in the war between the rich and poor, the left and the right. Uh, In the spirit of the war between the rich and poor, this week we are talking about um, Amazon strikes and boycotts. We're discussing the conditions that Amazon employees work under and what has driven them to organize strikes across Europe. We have with us in the studio today local activists, Ala Deutsch, and local, educa- uh, local educators, Lauren Perlstein, and myself. Lauren, can you start us off with a little background on Amazon as a company incorporation? Sure. Uh, Amazon.com Incorporated is an American electronic commerce and cloud computing company based in Seattle, Washington. It was founded by Jeff Bezos in July of 1994. And the, first, the company first began as an online bookstore and now has grown to sell just about anything and everything at the click of a button. The company also produces electronics like Kindles, Fire tablets, Fire TV, and more recently, the Echo device. Um, Amazon employs over 566,000 people worldwide. And recently, Amazon bought Whole Foods, the organic grocery chain, for 13 $0.4 billion and is continuing to expand its workforce and workplace establishments here in the U.S. and around the world. We're in a time of income inequality, again, where gaps in earnings between corporate owners and workers continue to grow year after year. Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, is now publicly the richest man in the world. His wealth increases $275 million every single day and his wealth now amounts to $150 billion. The average salary of a warehouse employee is about $28,000 per year. Hmm. Bezos makes more than that every nine seconds. He's quoted saying that he is very proud of the working conditions in the Amazon warehouses. And while Jeff boasts about the positive culture of the workplaces, thousands of Amazon workers in Germany, Poland, Italy, and Spain went on strike Tuesday, July 17th, to demonstrate against the grueling working conditions, low compensations, and conditions placed on time off. Um, And just for a quick little background on the Prime Day, Amazon Prime members pay $119 for an account that covers shipping costs, streaming services, and other benefits. And the Prime Day is a highly advertised day for buying things on Amazon and Prime members receive all sorts of discounts. And this year, Amazon raked in roughly $3 billion in sales. And this was the day that strikes happened throughout Europe and the days around this day. A German trade union spokeswoman, Stephanie Nutzenberger, said in a statement, the message is clear. While the online giant gets rich, it is is saving money on the health of its workers. So why... Corey and Ala, please join us in conversation around, around why we think inequality continues to worsen in the world we live in. Yeah, I mean, you look at a company like this, Amazon, um, I feel like I hear all over, see on TV, that this is the direction that we're moving on. It's, we're in an we're Amazon economic world where 
this is how people are making money. And you have this guy, Jeff Bezos, who's become the, literally the richest person in modern history. And the making more every nine seconds than his average employee, not even his lowest paid employee. So it just goes to show like in this uh, kind of economy, in a capitalist economy where the point is to accumulate as much profits as possible, that whatever means necessary it takes to get those profits, uh, that's the kind of, that's the goal of people like Jeff Bezos. And what is the cost of accumulating all of that money or what is the means of getting all of that money for those kinds of people? Okay. Um, I would say that this is exactly how capitalism works and how it will continue to work. Um, you know, uh, for capitalism to continue and um, for our markets to avoid crashing, it has to continue expanding and expanding and expanding. And um, part of that expansion is um, streamlining work, you know, with Amazon. Um, they famously monitor every, uh, every step that their employees take to try and create as efficient of an assembly line and work process as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah. Right. So, so what about this, um, <clears throat> what about this, like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality? Uh, pe people who are working for Amazon, couldn't you just say, like, well, they can work their way up to that top, that position that Jeff Bezos is in? What are your thoughts on uh, upward mobility or the myth of upward mobility? Um, I mean, we're taught that the, we're taught that in order to, that the model of success is the accumulation of wealth and that if you work hard enough, then you can get there. And for the majority of poor people in the country have no, um, are not choosing to to live in those conditions, and um, like for example, the the Amazon warehouse in England was built upon an old coal mining community, which we'll hear a little bit about um, uh, hear a little bit about later. But that's where they knew where they could get people. Um, who need that kind of work, and and there's a clear um, a clear way that human rights are being sacrificed in these working conditions, and are and so it's an impossible um, it's an illusion. Right. And so it leaves you with a, gr a whole group of people that are fed up and it rise to insurrection or to um, organizing and striking and protesting. So uh, let's take a break by a uh, song by Linton Kwesi Johnson. It's called What About the Working Class? And Linton Kwesi Johnson is a Jamaican dub poet. And in this song on his 1983 album, making history he writes about workers demanding more pay and about how the youth are rebelling um, and are fed up he criticizes those who blame these rebellions on the black working class and suggesting that the blame should be upon the ruling class or the capitalist bosses and so here's linton kwesi johnson <laughs> stitch fix England to Poland, every step across the ocean, the ruling classes, them is in a mess. Oh yes, the capitalist system are regress, but the Soviet system not progress. So which one of them you think is best? When are the two of them the workers are contest? 
When crisis is the order of the day When so much people crying out for change no idea So what about the working class, comrade German? What about the working class? They bear the car, they carry the cross And them now go forget them tongues in the dance Them now go forget them tongues From the east to the west to the land I love the best The ruling classes them is in a mess Oh yes, crisis is the order of the day The workers them demanding more pay every day The peasants want a lot more say nowadays The youth them rebelling everywhere Everywhere, insurrection is the order of the day There's a lot of people crying for change nowadays Nobody blame it on the black working class, Mr. Racist Blame it on the ruling class Blame it on your capitalist boss We pay the cost, we suffer the loss And we're not going to get new cross, not a rust We're not going to get new cross Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM Brattleboro Community Radio Station. You were just listening to Linton Quessy Johnson, What About the Working Class? And this week we are talking about the recent Amazon strikes and boycotts. 
We're discussing the conditions Amazon employees work under and what has driven them to organize strikes across Europe this past week. And again, we have with us in the studio today local activist Ala Deutsch, myself, Lauren Perlstein, and Corey Sorensen. Okay, and so in, our first, in the first section of the show, we talked about the huge uh, income gap between CEO and owner of Amazon company, Jeff Bezos, and his employees. And we're gonna go further into this next section and ask our, and look at the conditions of those who are actually working in the Amazon warehouse facilities. And we ask the questions, who is it that labors for Amazon? And what is happening in the warehouse that calls for those laborers to organize and demand uh, better treatment, better payment? And so we're going to begin by uh, playing a clip off of a, a YouTube video of ex-Amazon workers talking about the horrendous conditions uh, in England. And this video is from 2013, so you can imagine how things might, may have progressed since these times. And uh, we'll continue by sharing accounts of people who have worked for Amazon in the U.S. So here's the clip of the uh, uh, of ex Amazon workers in England. It's one of the world's most successful companies, a global household name. Amazon makes billions of pounds in profits, running rivals into the ground. But are they running their workers into the ground too? In a warehouse like this, you can walk up to 27 miles a day and can get just 10 minutes for lunch. Staff are monitored round the clock and penalties dished out for talking to colleagues. Three strikes and you're out. They know how that feels in the small town of Rugeley in the Midlands. It was devastated by the closure of its coal mine. So when Amazon arrived here two years ago, former workers told us they finally believed the town's luck had turned. You think, oh, wow, massive. Look at the size of this company, you know, look at this, everything that they've got, look at what, look, they're American-based. We, we must be secure here. There must be work for us here. I think we all had that false sense of security, to be honest, when we first started. And it just didn't prove to be the case. Disappointing. And it hasn't done for the town what people thought it would? No, no. There's a lot of angry people in town about Amazon. We've spoken to... Okay, so that was the clip from uh, the t a town in England where they used to have a coal mine that was in the area that people worked at. When it was shut down, an Amazon factory was built and uh, gave high hopes to the people of the community, which Lauren was speaking to earlier. Yeah, Amazon has a tendency to locate its warehouses in rural areas, and it, it makes it also more difficult for workers to leave Amazon to find higher-paying work. Um, even though Amazon still has one of the highest employee turnover rates in corporate America. Um. Right. So also this video talked a little bit about the isolation, isolation that happens in the warehouse facilities, that people are penalized when they talk to each other. And just reminds me of the kind of alienation process that people have in the workforce where not only are they not connected to the products that they're selling or uh, making, in this case, they're just scanning and moving products, but that they're not even allowed to talk to each other, which also, um, uh, the word I'm looking for, it's harder for people to organize when they're not able to talk to each other. And it also shows a change of, like, the kind of, the, the isolation is becoming so much more like the job of, you know, of the past work in the coal mines was also like horrific and dangerous at many times. But the work that's now happening with that, those same um, people is so much more um, isolating in that sense where if you talk to another person three times, you're done. So, and I'll feel free to uh, jump in whenever, because I know you have a lot of uh, knowledge about the, about the conditions of factories and whatnot. Um, but we're going to move on to, to 
Well, on July 16th, just the day before Amazon Prime Day, there was a live national town hall meeting in D.C., and it was called CEOs versus Workers. And this meeting focused on the enormous disparity between the wealth of corporate executives and the wages and treatment of their workers. And this is this is a town meeting that was held in D.C. with Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. So just thinking about how this isn't even like, like this is made it to that point where where our senators are talking about this income gap. So this isn't something that's like uh, just the minority who are organizing against. This is uh, pretty public. And so, oh. Even Donald Trump spoke out against uh, Amazon and their treatment of workers. Louder. Wow, right. So, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty t- telling. So at that meeting, there were voices of working people from Amazon, McDonald's, Walmart, American Airlines, and Disney, where some of the uh, biggest gaps in income exist. So I'm going to play an account of Seth King. He's a former Amazon employee who is also a Navy veteran uh, who worked at Amazon in the U.S. You'll also hear clips throughout this uh video of John Bezos boasting about their working culture and working conditions. And you'll also hear Senator Bernie Sanders introducing Seth at the town hall meeting. So here's this clip. It's kind of hard to talk about, but there was a point where I would find myself crying on my shift and I would hide so people didn't see me. I really felt like I just didn't want to be alive anymore if that was the future that I had to look forward to. Every day that I drove into work was exhausting just thinking about having to come in and start that 10 hour shift, being on my feet. My feet hurt all the time. I'm very proud of the culture that we have at Amazon. Seth King is a former Amazon employee. He is a veteran of the United States Navy. You served eight years in the Navy, is that right, Seth? Yes. I'm used to a job being physically demanding. There's not a lot of jobs that I don't think I can handle. Once I got out, I guess I was proven wrong. Their model is basically It's a revolving door of just bodies that they're throwing at the floor. I was pretty optimistic about it at first, and then within the first day, you realize, oh, this is going to take a lot out of me. You have about 10 or 15 minutes after you clock in where you're with everybody else who's starting the shift in the same area of the warehouse. They do a couple stretches. You get a scanner. You clock into the scanner. I was a stower, so you'd grab a cart that had a bunch of boxes on it, scan all the boxes, and then open them one by one, taking the pieces out, scanning them, and scanning the bins that you're going to put them into. They'd always give us this rate at the beginning of the shift, but no matter how hard I tried, even the days where I thought I was doing really well, I'd find myself falling 20% short of that goal that they've set for me. And I don't know if I ever met anybody that had reached those numbers. It just seemed like something that was always unattainable. You're not allowed to sit down. You're not allowed to talk to other people in the same aisles. If you were caught talking to other people, you'd get written up. The lack of social interaction, I thought it was something mentally that I could tough out. It just gradually became harder and harder the more I found myself cut off from the world. You get two 15-minute breaks and a lunch break that's 30 minutes. Even though they're 15-minute breaks, if you want to go to the break room on your break, it's a five-minute walk there just to get off the floor and then a five-minute walk back. You tracked every second of the day. Every second that you're out there, somebody's watching you. You do your break stuff and then come back. And on that exact 15-minute mark when you get back, you have to be scanning an item into the bin. So you even have to kind of go back early just to get started on that. I had to use those breaks to use the restroom because if I did use the restroom when I wasn't on break, I would have a floor manager come and find me and ask me why I wasn't being productive. The first training day, we started with about 30 people and by the fourth training day, there was only eight because so many realized they just weren't cut for how physically demanding the job was. I felt that pretty immediately, but I needed the money. I would think to myself, once I got off, I was gonna go home and do it. I really, really felt like killing myself. Towards the end of the time I was there, I was so depressed and I kept telling myself, if this is the best my life is going to get, why am I even still here? And I called one of my best friends and she told me, if working there really makes you feel like this, if you feel like taking your own life because of the job you're working at, don't work there. There's no work environment that should make you feel like that. And so I left and I, um, thank you. And the issue of, um, of working conditions I'm very proud of our working conditions. Look how much money he's making. It's never going to be his concern whether or not we're 
okay. To Amazon's bottom line, we're statistics. There was an older lady, she and I always ended up running into each other when we were out on the floor. Every week or so, she had some new brace because she was trying to keep up with how demanding the job was. It was already hurting me, you know, and I'm still in my 20s, fresh out of the military. To see her having to work under the same conditions as I was and it physically, literally break her. And this is a company owned by a person whose wealth increases $275 million every single day. And those are the kinds of conditions that workers are living under who work for Mr. Bezos. Maybe that's why Amazon is experimenting with drones, because they work and they don't complain. It's pretty ridiculous that he is the richest man in the world and has people working full-time at Amazon having to apply for food stamps because they can't afford to eat. As we hear these stories, it speaks to the incredible culture of greed in this country. I mean, Seth talked about it. People, in a sense, are disposable. So we work somebody to a point of no return, and then we get rid of them and we bring somebody else in. And we have to ask ourselves a very fundamental question as to whether or not that is the kind of country and the kind of economic culture that we are comfortable with. And I think most Americans are not. Okay, so that was a clip of uh, Seth King, empl former employee of Amazon, speaking at the uh, CEOs versus working people ta live town hall meeting in Washington D.C. And it just go so it uh, goes to show some of the working condi conditions that even for this uh, U.S. veteran <laughs> crying every day and talking about the physical demands of his job and ultimately he him choosing to quit or having the opportunity to be able to quit even when so many people are are desperate for this kind of work and treated like beggars by the Amazon company because they're threatened with their jobs if they're not performing to the you know the the unrealistic demands of the Amazon uh, head and the environment that he's describing is is prison like um that they are tracked every second of the day, that they are entered into the f into the warehouse like in a revolving door of with bodies hitting the floor. Um, there's unattainable goals. Their objective is to be productive, be productive, be productive, um, and and the physical um, demanding nature of potentially walking up to 27 miles a day in right. a facility that's 9 to 12 football fields long. Um, and just that the massive, uh, like how huge this company is. When I look, listen to this video, this is the conditions of a U.S. worker who's scanning and moving items, thinking about all of like where these items were produced in the factories that and conditions of the people in what what we might call third world countries producing these items is like is a horrendous thought that this is the conditions that a US veteran is working under mm -hmm. um, the company is conducting an experiment in how far it can push white collar workers to get them to achieve its ever expanding ambitions. Um, I sort of see Jeff Bezos as um, picking up where Henry Ford left off in developing the assembly line. Um, you know, that's one of the tactics of capitalists is to strip the workers of their land, their tools, and their skills. And so, you know, um, Henry Ford uh, invented the assembly line so that workers would only be doing one part of production and not even fully understand the process and method of what they were producing. And, um, you know, Jeff Bezos has um, really pioneered the way in monitoring and basically choreographing every single step his workers take. And so workers are forced to do the same exact movements over and over, right foot, then left foot, you know, um, yeah. Right. And this guy in the video jokes about uh, Amazon looking into drones or being interested in drones, but that's it's that's a reality. I mean, at this point, people are treated as if they're drones or robotic, and uh, 
I mean, Senator Bernie Sanders, I think it was, was saying that these people are disposable. And that's the kind of economic reality that we live in, where pe people aren't seen as people, they're seen as, it's seen as wage labor, and it is a disposable population. And, and how easy it is for the consumer to, how Amazon has kind of created, how for the one-click buy process, how easy it is to buy something and not understand that the the labor that's going behind um, the picking and choosing of those products. Like my parents just were remodeling uh, the kitchen and were buying things off of Amazon just to try and right. to send back purposefully. And I think that happens um, so often with that. It's so easy. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we've all or I'd say a lot of us are guilty of using Amazon and being on the computer. I think that uh, the image that we chose for this show, which has the man on his computer and then within the, con the workings of the computer is the image of the factory, is, is um, kind of a cool representation of the, the invisibility of, of labor that, of Amazon. Mm -hmm. Here, go ahead, uh, Ala, did you have something to say? Okay. Um, you had said that we are all guilty of using Amazon, and I just wanted to offer a little pushback and say that um, the working class isn't guilty. It, Amazon offers, you know, incredibly low deals, and we're all struggling financially, and I think that speaks to the fact that there's really no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah, it's a really good point. Thanks for adding. <laughs> and Amazon isn't alone in uh, in this treatment of their workers, that this is, again, this is the model under capitalism that creates uh, accumulation of wealth. And so at, at this town hall meeting, there were the people speaking from other companies like McDonald's, Walmart, American Airlines, and Disney. And I think one of the more powerful ones was the account of the uh, Disney worker. So Disney, which made nine $9 billion in profits last year pays its workers so little that they're living in their cars just to try to survive over 10% of Disney workers report having being homeless in the past two years and over half report concerns about being evicted from their current residence. So Disney is a company that, you know, throws out the slogan of uh, happiest place on earth, but, it's definitely not the happiest place for its employees. Here's Artemis Bell. She's a Disney employee. And I'm just pulling up the video. Here she is. She passed away in her car and nobody knew about a year and a half, two years ago. She passed away in her car and nobody knew that she was living in her car and nobody could find her for two weeks. And when we finally found her, she had passed away. My coworkers are excellent at coming to work with a smile on their face, no matter what issues they have. I just recently found out somebody on my shift is living in a motel with his wife and two children, and I believe they just had a baby. I know somebody else who, when his wife had a lot of medical issues, they lost their apartment and they were living in their car together. A cast member from my shift actually passed away in her car, and she was so embarrassed that nobody knew she was living in her car, and when she just just disappeared. People were searching for her. They were looking at the last address that they had for her and she wasn't there. People said she hadn't lived there for a long time. She never called out. She was always doing six days and she'd worked for the company for about 10 years, I think. And she was just gone and the company just wrote her off because she stopped showing up to work. And it was because of the diligent work of the other cast members calling her family and calling the police and everything that they could think of that we were eventually alerted when she was found passed away in her car. The company did nothing to help us find her and the company continues to do very little to help us get to a wage where we don't have to live in our car or worry about living in our car. I make considerably less than somebody working in like a school district or, or a hospital doing the same type of work I do. And how much are you making after seven years of work? 11.86. How do people live on $11.86? 
since an hour. We don't really. From what I understand, we used to get like little perks. We used to have a Christmas party where it was just the cast members in the park and nobody else was allowed in it. That slowly turned into, we'll give you tickets to come into the park with all of the guests at Christmas time. And then last year, it turned into, you can't come into Disneyland with the Christmas tickets. If you want to come into Disneyland at Christmas, you have to buy tickets yourself. And you know, what's ironic about Disney, this is supposed to be the place, it's a happy land, right? You're supposed to be making people feel good in fantasy world. And yet many of the workers there are really just struggling. When you're creating a lot of jobs that don't pay people enough to live on, that create people in a state that they have to depend on the welfare agencies, that people have to go to food stamps, people have to have a second job, I don't see how creating 11,000 jobs is a great answer to being told that those jobs are not enough for people to live on. What I would like to say to Bob Iger and something that I think he should hear, we are expected to give industry best in everything that we do. We are expected to give industry best service to the guests. We are expected to give industry best cleaning practices. We are expected to have industry best safety. We are expected to be the industry best from the minute we walk out of training, but we are not given industry best in return. And we're back. And so the, the thing that I wanted to just point out in that video that you couldn't see is there was a uh, quote of, is it Bob Iger? Is that his name? The CEO of Disney saying directly to Bernie Sanders, I've created 11,000 jobs. What have you done for the, for, for the U.S. economy or whatever? But as if he's doing some favor for the U.S. people, but when you're creating 11,000 jobs that people have to take to live some miserable like life in their car as working people, you're not doing a service to people. You're, the more jobs you create at those, that low a wage is the more profit that you're making for yourself. And it just, it makes me furious when people act as if they're doing this huge justice or service to the world while they're, while they're completely benefiting off of it without even caring about their employees. And that's absolutely clear in, in the case of Amazon and, and Jeff Bezos too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So another interesting thing that I was, uh, when I, researching all of this, I read an article um, about a woman who she, I mean, ultimately chose to be homeless over working at Amazon. The article by Nicole Gracelee is called Being Homeless is Better Than Working for Amazon. And what I thought was interesting about this is this is a woman who has a master's degree and she's one of Am she was Amazon one of Amazon's best order pickers and started protesting the company uh, based on their conditions for workers and this ultimately led her to homelessness. She held a sign, I was an order picker at Amazon.com, I earned degrees, I've been published, now I'm homeless, writing and doing this, anything helps. The thing that was interesting to me is that uh, she, after having conversations with people on the street and talking about her experience, in her experience, she was making more money per hour being on the street holding a sign than she was in Amazon. And she wrote that there's more respect for a homeless person homeless woman out on the streets than there is in an Amaz in a warehouse for Amazon. So that to me speaks of the invisibility of the Amazon worker, but also in her situation where she's holding a sign about having a master's degree and drawing the attention of others. Like I, there's also not a tremendous amount of respect for people who are living homeless on the street, but to, com to compare that to what it is like to work in effect, in a warehouse it was just nobody should choose to be homeless over working in a for a company so it's just really put it in, into perspective for me Ala, did you um yeah i just wanted to speak to um the attitude of the ceo of disney um you know saying oh i created eleven thousand jobs and that sort of capitalist attitude of 
um, and there, there was a last year a reporter for the Washington Post um, who wrote an op-ed um, about how fair pay for Amazon workers, not high-profile philanthropy, should be the primary goodwill strategy for Bezos. Um, and I think that's something that we see across um, all large corporations is sort of publicized and dramatic um, philanthropic altruism while the workers continue to suffer. Right. And so while workers are suffering, they are not complacent and people are organizing and people know that recognize this injustice and they're getting together. So we move on into this third section of our show, which is about resistance and, um, and we'll lead into this show or into this section with a song by Hazel Dickens, They'll Never Keep Us Down. <clears throat> WVEW is underwritten in part by Everyone's Books. Located in downtown Brattleboro at 25 Elliott Street, Everyone's Books is a family-owned, independent bookstore that has been serving the community for over 30 years. They specialize in books about social change, the environment, politics, and travel, and offer a huge range of children's books. You can reach them by phone at 802-254-8160 or online via their website at everyonesbks.com. WVEW thanks everyone's books for their support of this station. And welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM, Brattleboro Community Radio Station. That was uh, Hazel Dickens, uh, They'll Never Keep Us Down. She was known for her activism on behalf of non-unionized mine workers in Harlan County. Um, Today... We are talking about the Amazon strikes and boycotts, and we are moving into the resistance that's happening um, across Europe, um, or that has happened this past week. Yeah. 
So on Tuesday of this week, thousands of workers in Germany, Spain, Italy, and Poland went on a three-day strike, and the strike was planned to happen around Prime Day, where profits are soaring for the company and the workload is high as well. Profits this year on Prime Day reached $3 billion as customers purchased products with irresistible sale prices. Uh, so Spanish work, Spanish strikers, which there are accounts of, uh, was it like 90% of the workforce were striking, while Amazon uh, claims that these numbers are not true and that most of the workers were continuing to work, uh, multiple union reps and workers say that there were of the, I think it was the 1,500 people, there were only 80 people who kept to their post. Um, and... Spanish strikers were attacked by Spanish police. There were at least three arrests that were released shortly after with no charges. Uh, and according to a uh, CSIT union representative in Spain, several suffered minor injuries and one was hit in the face with some broken teeth. So in an interview between Gizmodo Media website and Juan Manuel Rosado, a spokesperson for this CSIT union in the Amazon Workers Committee. Um, Rosado explained the police, char police charging at the strikers who were unarmed and that one was hit in the face and had some broken teeth. In response to that claim that, claim that Rosado said, a representative for Amazon Spain provided Gizmodo with the following remarkably tone-deaf statements. They said, at Amazon, the safety of our teams is our number one priority, and we greatly appreciate the efforts of the authorities to ensure everyone's safety. So for Amazon to come back and thank the police for keeping, as if they're keeping the uh, workers safe from like these crazed strikers is unbelievable when they're the ones who are attacking this, the people who are the unarmed, un nonviolent protesters. So Rosado went on to accuse the Amazon of diverting work from MAD4 to a newer facility in Barcelona. So there's this uh, warehouse, MAD, M-A-D-4, where they're taking the work from uh, th that facility to another one that doesn't have a presence of union, of a union. Um, so there, so there are several trials. He says that there were, there are several trials that will begin in September. Uh, CSIT sued Amazon for what we think is acting in bad faith, trying to impose a unilateral collective contract, he said. So I'll, uh, I want to ask, I want to ask you, um, what you were, um, standing out in front of Whole Foods in, ha was it Hadley? Mm -hmm. In Hadley, Mass on, on Prime Day. Um, so could, may, could you talk a little bit about why you were, why you were out there um, in solidarity with the strikers across Europe um, and maybe give us a little more uh, context of what you know? Sure. Um, okay, thanks for asking. So, um, Many things motivated me to go and stand outside in front of Whole Foods with my sign on Prime Day and try and have conversations um, with the customers that were flocking the store because the sale was also taking place inside of Whole Foods. Um, first is that I have a particular fear of Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, uh, capitalism goes through its boom and bust cycles and um, within each cycle, uh, the larger corporations will uh, buy out and eat up the smaller corporations. And that's what happened in the last cycle. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos purchased Whole Foods, which was going to go bankrupt. And, um, you know, Jeff Bezos really has a uh, vision of taking, taking over the world. Um, and uh, treating workers as disposable, opening Amazon stores where there are no workers and uh, that, that are self-serving. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, so, um, you know, as I had previously mentioned, 
um, with with each boom and bust cycle, um, capitalists rethink their uh, labor technology and production to be increasingly efficient. Um, both Amazon and Whole Foods um, have many uh, structural methods for making people work as quickly as possible. Um, you know, with Amazon, workers' steps are um, exactly choreographed, and with Whole Foods, people's uh, speeds of of checking out um, as cashiers are monitored and they are, um, you know, tracked and given points based on how quickly they're checking out. Um, but uh, another reason that I wanted to stand outside of Whole Foods was I wanted to confront a particular ideology. Um, and it's an ideology that's sometimes called anarcho-liberalism or... Um, the conflation of lifestyle choices with political action. On the left right now, um, amongst liberals, there is a really dominant uh, belief system that people's personal lifestyle choices, um, you know, is the is the path to making the world a better place, com combating climate change, um, you know, the the sort of fair trade chocolate kind of movements. And um, it's a very, it's a very uh, uh, classist and elitist uh, doctrine. You know, if you can't afford this eco lifestyle, you are a part of the problem. Um, and um, yeah, so again, I just want to reiterate that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Even speaking to um, friends of mine in the Pioneer Valley who work for those small CSA farms or who work for the smaller solar companies, they are still producing large amounts of waste, relying on fossil fuels. Um, you know, the, the corruption is so deeply systemic. Um, and um, Lastly, um, you know, Whole Foods also uh, exploits its workers. Um, uh, you know, they're, <laughs> there's, they promote sexist management. There's been so many cases of, um, you know, that you can, if you just Google search uh, Whole Foods sexual assault, um, Whole Foods sweeps sexual assault under the rug. Um, they do not give their workers benefits. Whole Foods, Starbucks, and Costco were three of the major leaders in um, in union busting back in 2013. And um, yeah, sorry. And I just want to skip back to my previous point. Um, when I was standing outside of Whole Foods, um, a lot of the conversations that I had with people were people saying things like, Ralph Nader lost, Bernie Sanders lost, um, the CIA gave Jeff Bezos millions of dollars, he's not going anywhere, you should just give up, <laughs> try and live your best life. Um, and I think that, um, you know, when people place faith in the electoral system, and forget about workers' ability to unionize and self-organize and self-emancipate, people lose hope. And so uh, I was just um, experiencing a lot of hopelessness. Am I, am I good? Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so let's see if there was anything else I wanted to cover. You know, um, right now, uh, transnationally, globally, there's been a rise in worker class consciousness and um, the sort of understanding that we don't have to rely on politicians and um, create change only through voting, um, you know, is arising again. And just that understanding that change will not come from above, but will come from the organization of the grassroots um, and, you know, what's so inspiring about the Amazon strike is that there was that transnational solidarity, um, which is what is exactly needed to combat globalized capitalism. Because when you have capitalists like Jeff Bezos, where if, you know, in the past, because Amazon strikers have, they've gone on strike a lot um, over the years. And whenever they've uh, striked, um, Bezos has just uh 
transferred that work to a different factory in another country. So um, when they came together like that, it did ultimately end up making a dent in their productivity on Prime Day. Okay. <laughs> Alla Deutsch, thanks for uh, joining us today. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we're out of time. And the conversation always continues and the struggle always continues. Lauren, did you have a... Lab? I just wanted to thank you, Alla, and... And again, wish we had more time to finish up the conversation. So this is Indigo Radio on Brattleboro Community Radio Station 107.7 FM. Check out our Facebook page at Indigo Radio to listen to our shows and find links, photos, etc. We are also on Instagram. Check out our Instagram page. Give us a like. Follow us. And we'll hope you tune in next week. Thanks so much. I've been a professor of economics all my adult life, and I hope that that has well prepared me to offer you these economic updates for July 2018. Well, we begin with the Nissan Motor Corporation from Japan. The news broke on the morning of July 9th that Nissan also, like so many other, nearly all the major auto companies, admitted to cheating on its pollution emissions controls. It made faulty tests of emissions, and it made incorrect faulty measurements of those tests.